Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Um, let's get let's get to it. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of people coming in. Uh, they're, they're, here, they, here they all come. Um, howdy and howdy, it says. Um, all right. So today we're going to uh, read in Chapter 12. So the Kickstarter is going. Okay. Oh, man, I'm going in eight different directions all at once. We're going to uh, read in Chapter 12, Vegan versus Omni versus Junk Food. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. We're going to talk about a couple of little bits and bobs first, and then we're going to jump right into it. Uh, there it is. Oh, um, there are uh, three sections to this chapter. Uh, the first <laughs> section is called VORP. <laughs> I, I so enjoy this new word we made up. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorites now. Expanding our vocabulary to value garden food over diet cola. Uh, the next section will be when a vegan diet has a lower carbon footprint and when it doesn't. Um, and then finally, GAT, another new word. Government-mandated acceptable levels of toxicity. So we've got a very different take on all this stuff. Um, yeah. For what we've written in this chapter, I have never encountered anything like this, uh, except I do believe I made a podcast, like podcast number eight, which is a little bit like it. But this is – that was – what nine years ago? So this is going to be uh, uh, quite a bit of change from that. Uh, just a quick shout out: we've got some upcoming events here at Wheaton Labs, uh, the PDC and ATC, and and it's kind of like uh, I think you know one of the things is we I really made this PDC. This PDC is definitely made for the pod people, um, and uh, I I thought that that it would be sold out really fast. But the big thing is, 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 hey, pod people, if you want this kind of event to be offered, you gotta buy the tickets when it's offered. I, I really thought this event would be sold out by now. And, and as is, it's, um, it's not even half populated yet. So please, uh, if anybody's got half a thought about coming to this event, please buy a ticket now. Um, we're going, the event is happening. We are going to do it. I would just prefer to have a full class rather than a half class. Right. And so, um, uh, oh, I'm, I, you know, this is, I think, I think that it's, uh, it's the other, uh, PDCs out there are going to seem kind of light to this. Now, now, the next thing is the ATC and we're going to, you know, over the next couple of months before the ATC begins, we're going to we're going to work in more stuff that has to do with the uh uh, uh PEP1 stuff which speaking of PEP1 the PEP1 event that's coming up in like a, a month and a half um there's two spots left in it so we've got a lot of people coming up for that event and um that one is going to be really interesting I, we got the PEP1 uh the base version 0.7 beta 
of the Pep One document is now done. Yes. And we've got people getting BBs and badges. It's all beginning. They're, they're all getting fleshed out. Uh, a lot of our, uh, our community is doing cool stuff to make it be awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, what so exciting. It's, it's really taken off. The big thing for me is, is that, um, for years I've been trying to talk about this and I, I kind of felt like no one was understanding what I was saying. And finally, people understand what I've been saying all this time and the support has been huge. Um, what a wonderful, and then plus on top of that, so often when I have a weird idea, um, it feels like I'm just swimming upstream, swimming upstream, swimming upstream. And this time, a whole bunch of people, um, have been, you know, pulling me upstream. It's, it's been such a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, um, all right. That document is there. Go look at it, Permies, to see all the stuff. People are starting to do it, and we're going to have the PEP1 event soon. There's two spots left. Uh, boot camp, the boot camp we have here has two spots open right now. Um, and people might want to go and look at, uh, Robbie's thread. He's been here for 62 days and every day he posts a bunch of pictures, like five to seven pictures. Um, and, uh, we've also got that reverse biological Kickstarter, uh, that we're talking about where, so I, I think Robbie's going to ring that bell and that's, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, and if people want to see a video a day here, you got to go and look up the reverse biological Kickstarter and throw in a pledge of like, you know, five or ten bucks. Um, when we ask some of the boots over here, why is nobody doing the video thing? And it's like, I don't know, it was only like two hundred dollars. And so it wasn't worth it. It's a lot of a lot of time to make videos. Um, a quick shout out to my Patreon peeps. Um uh, I wanted to name a few of the biggest all-time peeps right now, but the Patreon interface changed, and I don't see a way to get that information anymore. I'll, it'll, I'll probably figure it out, or probably I don't know what. Well, you can't even download a spreadsheet anymore. You used to be able to do that, or at least I can't find it. Um, but uh, patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton is uh, for the podcast, and patreon.com slash pwvids is for um, YouTube videos. I've got a YouTube video that I started to edit up uh, from uh, – I took a whole bunch of raw video last year as we were building all this stuff with uh, Dry Stack Rock. And um, uh, I need to finish editing that video and put that up on uh, on YouTube. Of course, yeah. I'm kind of – Come on, what are you, what are you doing with your time, man? <laughs> yeah, the Kickstarter. And, and in fact, uh, oh, and, and we've got to do a quick shout out to, um, oh, we, I guess we shared our secret recording time and topic with the Patreon peeps a couple of days ago. So they got a, a heads up that we were doing this and look at all of those messages. Have you been reading all these? Chat, chat, chat. Oh, wow. And so this is probably our Patreon peeps right here. Um, man, that is a lot of stuff. Jeez. Okay. Uh, thanks to Bill Krim for processing these podcasts. And so he grabs the audio and he takes care of everything. And next thing you know, it's out to all the pod people. Um, he is, he is nailing it. And of course he's using all the stuff that Adrian LaPointe did, uh, for years to make it a, a 
a clean, quick, and simple process. So thanks to Adrian, too, for, for carrying that load for so many years, and thanks to Bill Krim for, for picking it up now. And and most people have run away by now, and Bill is still in the trenches doing it. So the big news. <laughs> the Kickstarter has been funded. It was it was funded in three hours. So those of you that were on the daily-ish or the monthly-ish, uh, we sent it out on there. And, in fact, uh, it takes 12 hours for the monthly-ish to go out. So a lot of people were saying by the time they got their email, the Kickstarter was already funded. What a what a comforting feeling. <laughs> yes, absolutely. After, what, what do we say, 15 months of working on this project? And when we hit that launch button, it was like, okay, <laughs> we put in 15 months. Are, are we you, about to, are we about to call it a day or, or do people want this? And, I remember we had like a list of all the things to do. And so we started at one o'clock in the afternoon doing all the things and then it started at two. And then we're, we're still working. Okay. Now we got to put the video up on YouTube and now we got to put the YouTube video out on the new thread. And now we got to, and then like we're doing the work. And then you said, Hey, do you see some people have already supported this? <laughs> How could that? We haven't even sent the email yet. <laughs> and he and it's like, we already have two thousand dollars. <laughs> we haven't even told anybody yet. <laughs> and so at three hours we were totally funded. Um and now we're like at forty five thousand dollars and um I I I still haven't done all the things on the list that were things to do. There's still some emails I need to send. Yeah, and, and it's like still going. Oh, so, um, uh, what a, what a ride. What a, what an awesome thing. Wow. Um, in fact, I did the, I did the math earlier, um, that I, I think I wrote it down in here somewhere. Yeah. Um, there it is. Yeah. Um, I went and I, I added up because some of the rewards are to get like 12 books and some of the rewards are just to get one. And, and so I added it all up and so far, um, uh, people have pre-ordered 5,490 books. Um, how, I mean, I, I heard somewhere that to be on the New York Times bestseller list, you need to have sold 3,000 books in the first week. So in a way, we So if qualified. anyone knows the people at the New York Times list, <laughs> feel free to just let them know. Yeah, I heard something about like they don't do uh self pub stuff and it's, so yeah they have some kind of secret magic formula they yeah i, I don't hidden in a box somewhere in the desert or something like that. oh okay i i don't know but uh but still um 5490 bucks and and it's like we're just one weekend this is in fact right now and well in three hours it'll be exactly the one week mark That's and right. and it's like uh oh man i'm i've I know that, uh, on, on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I just crashed. I was just exhausted. Um, I mean, I still got a lot of work done, but, um, I, I, yeah. Hmm. Um, all right. Uh, real, real quick. Let's see. Uh, we, we've introduced lots of stretch goals. We won't list all the stretch goals right now in this podcast. Uh, uh, if you go to, you can go to, if you're listening to the podcast and you want a URL, we set up a short, quick URL, permies.com slash T. Slash B 
WB for Better World Book. Um, and that'll get you there. Permies.com slash T slash BWB. Uh, at the $10 level, so just to give you an idea, so it's the minimum level to get a book. We made it so that uh, you will get four gift codes for the permaculture playing cards, four gift codes for care and feeding of a rocket mass heater, microdoc, uh, four gift codes for the rocket ovens cooking, microdoc, four gift codes for the Hugo culture microdoc, so all the microdocs from past Kickstarters. Uh, you'll get the 21 podcast review of Sepulcher's Permaculture, uh, Cool Public Thanks, uh, the Permaculture Experience ebook. So that's the PEP stuff. All that PEP documentation that we've been making for so long is all now in an ebook and you'll be able to, you'll get one copy of that ebook. Um, build a Cobb style rocket mass heater DVD for gift codes. So that's the full DVD as HD streaming, and you'll get four gift codes. So one for yourself and three to give out to other people. Uh, perfect for, uh, you know, all those people that, that may not have heard of Rocket Mass Heaters. But I think that the, I don't know, Sean, have you seen this DVD, the Build a Cobb style? This is the one with the TP yeah. and the Wafati build. Yeah, I, I watched think, that one. I think it's a really good video. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think it's first class stuff. Um, but you'll get four of those, uh, and then build the giant solar dehydrator 81 minutes long of, of streaming. Four gift codes for that. Um, the five hour tour of Wheaton Labs, four gift codes, uh, access to the secret inner circle forum and two ebook gift codes. So, um, that's all of that stuff is for $10. It's not $10 each. It's for 10 bucks. You get like, I don't know what that is, like 40 or 50 things. Um, and, and I don't know, it's probably got a value of over a hundred bucks, um, yeah. of, of stuff. So I kind of feel like even at the minimum getting just, you know, the minimum level of bookage, um, I think we've set up a pretty sweet, sweet deal on the Kickstarter. Um, uh, I, and then of course we've got one of the stretch goals we've got lined up, which might be of, of best, most interest to the pod people is an audio book. And so, uh, if the Kickstarter hits a hundred thousand dollars, then we'll do an audio book, but we've set up a whole bunch of stretch goals before then. We had to make the audio book later on because, you know, it's, it's expensive and our margins for this whole project are really narrow. We, we try to set the prices for everything super low. Like really narrow. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry that we have to, in order to, uh, we didn't, so in order to pull off the audiobook thing, it has to be a stretch goal further down the road in order yeah. to make it work. Uh, we had some people that were, um, saying something like, boy, I sure wish that all of these stretch goals were at the $10 level. And it's like, yeah, I wish we could find a way to work that out too, but, um, but the stretch goals are mostly – there's a bunch of stretch goals that are at the $10 level, but a lot of them are at the $100 level. Where well, we, Yeah? And the one that we're, we're coming up on soon here in a few more thousand is putting a whole bunch of extra images in the book. And so anyone who gets the book will get those extra images. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, um, I got to say that as grateful as I am for the people that are supporting the Kickstarter at the $10 level, the people at the $100 level, I'm, I don't know. I just feel 
10 times, well, that doesn't make 20 times more gratitude. I mean, it's kind of like we've worked so hard to make this a book to give away. And the people at the hundred dollar level are like, give me a big pile of these to give away. Yeah. And it's like, that is, it's like they get it. They understand. And then not only that, but it's like they're buying uh, a pile of copies and they haven't read it yet. Um, which by the way, the reviews are pouring in from the people who we gave a preview copy to. Um, and, and, uh, uh, there's a thread out of Permies. We have a thread out of Permies for most every permaculture book. And then people can do this review system and they give it like, I give this book eight out of 10 acorns. Um, and so the big black book, uh, seems to average about nine and a half acorns yeah. so far, but it's got, I think the big black book has 10 or 12 reviews right now. And uh, we only have four for our book right now, but it's 10 out of 10 acorns for all of the reviews. So, yay, we're doing great. <laughs> yeah, I, I get two bricks. When I when I looked at that, I was like looking at all these other books that I've really enjoyed and seeing, oh, wow, people are rating us even higher than some of these. Uh, it's really exciting. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, this is... <laughs> I, I know that like in the days before we started the Kickstarter, I thought I was going to puke um, because it was that whole thing. Like we didn't know if we'd get funded at all. And, um, and people kept talking to us, like asking for things like, and it's like, dude, we don't even know if we're going to get funded. And uh, um, now it's, it's like um, now I kind of feel nauseous with the idea of like, you know, the Kickstarter is at $45,000 now, but we're just getting started. Yeah. Um, is it going to, is it going to go over a hundred thousand dollars? Is it possible that it'll go over a million dollars? Uh, could it be the, you know, of all the books on Kickstarter to be like, to make it onto page one of books? Um, I think I saw today to get onto page one of nonfiction would be like a hundred and thirteen thousand dollars. Um, I know that you and I are both still working hard every day trying yeah. to, you know, and, and so maybe we'll get on page one. Um, all right. This, we're supposed to be reading a chapter. Let's, let's get, uh, let's, let's, uh, they up, uh, we made a list of upcoming podcasts. So we, um, asked the Patreon people to vote on topics and, um, uh, they want to, uh, have a Wafati. Uh, they want us to do the Wafati chapter. So Wafati stuff complete with updates and lessons learned. So we'll read the Wafati chapter and we'll add extra information about lessons learned and that kind of thing. Cool. Uh, we also did a, uh, an Apple poll out at Permies that was public. And, uh, the number one choice in the Apple poll was to do the gray water chapter. And the, uh, so we're going to do that one. So Wafati gray water chapter. And then we're going to do, the, I think it's the biggest chapter in the whole book. Double the food with one tenth the effort. In fact, it's, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being tempted away from the Kickstarter because it's time to plant seeds now. And, <laughs> and it's hard for me to not play with the seeds. Yeah. Um, Paul, Paul started our meeting this morning with, uh, Hey, look at the plants I want to put in. Hey, you want to help me put together this <laughs> list of plants? What's, what's in there? What else would be on this list? And, and so it's like, I'm having, I'm, ma- I'm making Sean look at my list of stuff I want to plant right now. Um, so, uh, uh, and I want to talk about that list. And uh, no, 
We've got another mission today. So, uh, from the Apple poll, the People's Choice Award went to double the food with one-tenth the effort. And so that's the next one. Then Poop Beasts will be the next podcast. And then more people living under one roof without stabbing each other. Uh, we'll read that. So that'll, we'll, so just a few of the chapters we'll try to read in, uh, uh, during the Kickstarter. And, and, uh, uh hopefully, Hopefully we'll find out that by doing this, it brings a whole bunch of coin to the Kickstarter. And we'll be like, that was awesome. Let's do that some more. Right. All right. Now, uh, this chapter is uh, vegan versus omnivore versus junk food. And, and I got to start off by saying uh, hats off to vegans, down on one knee, uber respect to the vegans. Not, not the hostile militant vegans, but lovely people who are who choose to be vegans um uh i like to think that this chapter is super respectful to vegans um although i think we bring some information to the table that militant vegans might not want to have aired um i ask fred who's a vegan and so he's the land manager here and he is awesome yeah he is he manages the boot camp uh, I asked Fred to give me feedback on the two chapters of the book that talks about vegan stuff. Uh, he gives these two chapters his approval. Now, granted, there were a lot of conversations that we had with him, and we did make some small changes uh, to be more respectful. Um, and I think I think we did a great job. In fact, with Fred's suggestions, we we kind of did an overhaul of this chapter, didn't we? We kind of went through and we did go back. And, That's right. And it, we found things that were said that Fred didn't point out that we kind of thought, you know, I think we can we can polish this piece a little bit more. Um, and so we did we did make some changes, <clears throat> and we're fully prepared for the militant vegans to command us to obey their philosophy or else. So we know it's coming. And mm-hmm. it's like, I wish that they could be happy with what we, with the information we're sharing. And the, the, and I think it takes, you know what? Here's another thing. I think it takes a certain amount of courage to be able to say the things that we're about to say. And so I hope that the people that choose to be angry will take it down a few notches and, and engage in a respectful conversation rather than just, open hostility because we've we've put our names on this because most of the hostility comes from anonymous people yeah and um and the, and it's like their hostility is through the roof um and so i kind of feel like our names are on this we're standing behind it this is our position these are our words and we're exposing ourselves to a lot of hate in order to be able to present this so all right uh getting started uh doop 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 um, section one. Oh, wait, no, it's not even a section yet. It's the introduction to the chapter. I want to start by saying that I think traveling the vegan path is a noble thing. Sacrificing bacon, cheese, ice cream, honey, steak, and even sacrificing a traditional Thanksgiving turkey dinner for the sake of others. Often others would include animals, Thanks, vegans. You folks are super cool. I feel like I share the values of vegans, and as bizarre as it sounds, I choose to continue to eat some meat and animal products. I have 
a rich buffet of thoughts, feelings, experiences, and history with this topic. By sharing some of my crazy, maybe the vegan and omnivore camps can be brought a little bit closer. Maybe the labels will provide, maybe the labels will prove insufficient and maybe a few people will switch camps. Now, I kind of feel like the labels are insufficient. Yeah. Because, and, and we're going to touch into it a little bit here, but really it's like, um, I think, I think that there's two, well, there's a spectrum of vegans and it's even more than that. There's a multifaceted spectrum. Spectrum's going in so many different directions. And so, um, there's, there's, all, I think most vegans are going to be like, they're going to eat organic. They're going to, they're going to eat foods that are, um, uh, plant-based that all, well, of course they're all plant-based, but, um, they're going to be like, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables. And whereas, um, other vegans are going to be more of the diet Coke and Oreo variety. And as much as we wanted to say diet Coke and Oreo throughout this chapter, we made a point of not exposing ourselves to some kind of weird trademark gobbledygook. <clears throat> but hey, are you reading all these comments? Yeah, it's hard to keep up with. Okay. There's lots of debate as to, uh, some of the things we're about to talk about. Are all these people being, uh, lovely and respectful to each other? I'd say for the most part, people are keeping it nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. That's, I mean, boy, it's just it's scrolling by with, with comments as I watch. Yeah, it's how, like, how awesome. I, I'm trying to talk and read and read chat at the same time. So, <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> Doing my best. Okay, all right. And I'm not looking at it because um, that's how we agreed to do this. <laughs> all right, continuing on. Many vegans point to the problems with concentrated animal feed operations, CAFOs. And I agree with their argument against CAFOs, a literal toxic shitstorm. Oh, you know what we should do? We should go and find the FAQ for the Kickstarter. And there's that one thing where um, a, a really lovely guy who's worked with us so many times in the past is a great supporter. And he said, you know, I want to give this book to these people over here. But those people, if they see the word shit, they will, they will be very upset. They will be very angry. And so, you know, how often does this, so he went and he read through the entire book and cataloged any words that might trigger this. So do you think that you, Sean, can find that FAQ thing? Oh, uh, yeah, here, I will. You're gonna, okay, so you're gonna pull up. Let me, I'll finish reading this paragraph. So, um, I agree with their argument against CAFOs. A literal toxic shitstorm. As the, you know, the, the cattle are standing around on their own shit. It'll, it'll even be piled three feet deep. Cool. I am choosing to skip the gruesome details. Oh, in the book, I'm choosing to skip the But I'm going to tell you guys, the pod people, yeah, all the gruesome details. I mean, it's gross. It's, I mean, if you've even driven within 20 miles of one, I'm sure you've smelled it. That said, I am of the opinion that caring for animals in a way analogous to their nature 
is an excellent way to heal the land and sequester carbon. Alan Savory's work would be one world-class example. Oh, and there's a footnote. There's we got lots of footnotes. We'll cover this like a lot. Yeah. How many footnotes do you think there are in the book? Over 350. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of footnotes. We'll cover this much more in chapter 25, where we talk about how vegans can benefit from caring for cattle, chickens, hogs, etc., while maintaining their noble dietary choices. Hey, I can see now that some of the people who we gave access to this chapter so that they can give us review feedback months ago, I see them popping in now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they're probably watching this, and they're yeah. kind of reading along. Yeah. I've seen I've seen uh, Ravens in chat right now. Oh, okay. So um, uh, I don't know if perk, that's very, but a perk of being one of the early reviewers, I guess. Okay, did you find the FAQ? I did find the thing. Shall I read it? Yes. Okay. What will the quote-unquote language rating be? Because apparently we put language ratings on books now. Okay. Uh, the language rating will be perfect. We even made up some new words. Like VORP. Vorpity VORP VORP. <laughs> One of our reviewers was contemplating giving the book, this is what Paul's talking about, giving the book to people that choose to fear and hate certain words. He counted every speck of potential hate fuel in the book. To gauge how we did, we looked at the IMDb parental guide stuff for the top 10 uh, in money's movies of 2018. It looks like we would be rated, quote-unquote, mild. Same as the Disney cartoon Incredibles 2. Deadpool 2 was rated severe. <laughs> hey, re- did you see Deadpool 2? <laughs> I haven't actually. I don't really watch many movies. Okay. I saw uh, both Incredibles 2 and Deadpool 2, <laughs> just for the record. But go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, the reviewer's report points out that we say, own your own shit twice, damn, four times, and we quote an older document that says, the second observation is that most people find folks one level back to be ignorant, and people two levels back seem like assholes. That's it. That's everything. Apparently, shit, damn, and assholes don't have the punch they had 40 years ago. Since there are about 20 times more total words in our book than the Disney movie, I wonder if we score milder than the Disney movie, which is the mildest of the top 10 movies of 2018. So we would probably be rated too mild. If we want to reach a wilder audience, I suppose we should bump the spice and excitement up a few notches just to get to popular Disney movie level or to prove that this book is not under the thumb of some hate group. But I choose to focus on this Kickstarter instead. Of course, then this is Paul's voice here. If you ask me to come speak to your group, I promise I will use the full beauty of the English language. Word please be damned. Yeah! Yeah, baby! All right. Um... I, I thought we did a pretty good job. But now it doesn't mention this toxic shitstorm line. So maybe that guy missed some of them. Or I don't think we added this in after he did that, did did we? I don't think. No, that was there when we started. Okay. All right. I'm going to move along with uh, – so the last thing I read, which I read a little too quickly, was uh, we cover this much more in Chapter 25 where we talk about how vegans can benefit – from caring for cattle, chickens, hogs, etc., while maintaining their noble dietary choices. <clears throat> so moving on to the next bit. <clears throat> Michael Pollan's book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, 
makes a strong point about veganism. You can actually kill fewer animals as an omnivore. Footnote. Uh, I should stop pointing at the footnotes. I'm just, I'm just glad that, you know, I feel like it's good to have those footnotes. I'm so glad that we've taken that time. Uh, farming practices for, say, conventional carrots kill billions of animals and ground nesting birds with all the giant machines and poisoning involved. Raising a whole cow only requires one animal to die. The equivalent number of carrot calories might cost the lives of 500 small critters. The dilemma is, if you wish to minimize harm to animals, do you focus on the total number of deaths or total pounds of death? If you buy from a grocery store or restaurant, it is hard to be a vegan. I want to reiterate that I have no problem with people choosing to be vegan. I just wish for them to understand that cattle and other animals can have a positive impact on the environment and that the carrots found in grocery stores are not as innocent as they seem. All right. Surely there are some comments that have come in that we should probably respond to, but boy, there sure is a lot of stuff. Wow. It's hard to to keep track of. I just want to, Put a brief reminder to everyone to be nice to other people in the chat. <laughs> Is that not happening? A couple times. <laughs> times. Leave room for other people's opinions. Every time I look down, it's scrolling faster than I can read it. Um, and so I, I think I just, I need to not look down there because then I'll, I'll, ugh. Okay. Um, now for the first named section, Vorp. Expanding our vocabulary to value garden food over Diet Cola. It has been my experience after visiting with thousands of people that some people thrive on a vegan diet and some people get really sick on a vegan diet. So while I'm glad it's working for some people, I don't think veganism is a slam dunk for everyone. Further, The studies that support vegan diets tend to universally compare a good, healthy vegan diet, cooked well, using organic foods, to a Western diet, non-organic, lots of sugars and processed foods. The equivalent from the opposite direction would be a study comparing something that the Western A. Price Foundation would approve as omnivore to the vegan side being represented by diet cola and cookies. And the cookies are in, is in quotes. <clears throat> yeah, we need Oreos, but... Uh... <laughs> we're, we're trying to not say Oreos. <laughs> That's right. I think if you compare any wholesome diet to a non-wholesome diet, you will get the results you expect. There have been so many skewed studies that I now ignore any vegan studies unless the omnivores are represented with something at least as wholesome. I bring up the, quote, cookies and diet cola because as much as veganism has some good ideals, the idea that these, quote, foods can be part of the vegan diet really degrades the brand for me. Actually, the same goes for the omnivore diet. 
Rather than insisting that the full buffet of dietary choice is limited to just vegan or omnivore, I think we need to open it up to thousands of choices and then shift the discussion to what are all of the healthy choices? Out of all the healthy choices for all people everywhere, which choice is best for you? To talk about possible healthy choices, we need a word that filters out cookies, emphasis on the quote marks. Diet cola and other such foods, <laughs> foods that are highly processed. But rather than saying eat less highly processed food, I have chosen to embrace, embrace the word virgin to describe foods that are not highly processed so that I can say eat more virgin food instead. Sean, do you remember all the time we put into like choosing these words? <laughs> we had probably, I, I don't think Days. I'm exaggerating if Days. I say four pages of ideas. Yeah, that sounds and, about right. And days of time coming up with these words. Right. Just for like, just this next, just this couple of paragraphs. It's, it's like, uh, so we've, we, I mean, it was days to get to the point that we would agree on the word virgin. And that seems like, that does seem like the best possible. Now, granted, 12 year olds reading this book might giggle a little bit. And I, I encourage that giggle, <laughs> but, uh, but I do think that the word virgin is probably the most appropriate for where we're going to go. Uh, I'm just reflecting upon like, wow, we put a lot of time into this chapter. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and I think, I think that the results are awesome. In order to further facilitate this conversation, I came up with two new terms that embrace all of the values of organic with an emphasis on virgin foods, one for omnivores and one for vegans. First, there is virgin and strictly organic. Vio. Virgin and strictly organic. And then there is virgin and strictly organic and vegan. V-O-V. Which is a subset of V-O. Diet cola and cookies, and cookies is in quotes, would not make the cut for either. The idea behind organic, and, and organic is in quotes, is to replace known toxins with things that we think are more natural and hopefully less toxic. Organic means no GMOs, no petroleum-based fertilizers, no conventional pesticides, which includes herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, etc., can include OMRI-approved pesticides. And OMRI is the U.S. government agency for organic labor labeling. Most commercial organic operations are riding the edge of what is barely able to be called organic. And many would not make the cut for organic, but they were somehow able to get the label anyway. And that's not what this, but that's not what this book is about. Yeah, none right. of that. I, I, I'm guessing that there's gobs of books out there already about people who are cheating on the organic label. Um, <clears throat> but 
you know, that's all kind of like political government gobbledygook. Organic is about reducing toxins. Permaculture is about adding back in nutrition. We are only beginning to understand what we need for nutrition. Every few years, scientists come up with something that we didn't really know about before. Sometimes about something we need that isn't in food as much as it used to be. So we find ways to compensate. There must be dozens or hundreds of things we still don't know about food. For all sorts of problems, we are perpetually medicating ourselves with vitamins or lotions or herbs or chemical medicines, either over-the-counter or prescription. It seems like damn near everybody is taking something for some problem. Our biological existence comes from having evolved to eat certain foods within a hunter-gatherer society. Back in the day, 100% of the food people ate either came from a polyculture, an assembly of diverse species grown together, or from an animal that ate from a polyculture. Agriculture, as it would be recognized by the average person, started about 10,000 years ago. And and when we say that, we're specifically talking about, I, I think when a lot of people picture agriculture, they still picture like a much smaller scale agriculture than we actually have in practice for most of the Western world. <laughs> and I wonder, what if damn near all of the ickiness would go away if we just replace row crops with polyculture? The pollier, the better. I wish to convey something far beyond VO, something that embraces VO, but also has a strong emphasis on building rich soil and polyculture using permaculture. So I came up with virgin, strictly organic, rich soil, and polyculture permaculture. VORP. This word sounds so silly that I wish to somehow work it into regular conversation. Since I made the term up, I get to define what it means. VORP means low processing, low packaging. Foods are grown in aged soil with a high organic matter level. More on this in Chapter 17. Polyculture of at least a dozen species harvested with minimal soil disturbance. Harvested by hand, no harvesting by machine. Human to acre ratio is very high, more like gardening than farming. Super localized inputs. Minimal irrigation. Seasonal foods. Minimal grafting. Super localized plant and animal varieties. No cardboard or newspaper in horticultural endeavors. No pesticides, even OMRI-approved pesticides. And I imagine right now there's going to be a ton of comments pouring out about that one. 
growing plants in a space that suits them as opposed to adding fertilizers and using pesticides to force an artificial environment. Pampered animals. Bye-bye, Kefo. When it comes to building a better world or your health or nearly any set of values, I think that VORP is superior to old-school veganism or any dietary choice ever proposed. I think that this silly word gives us traction to solving serious problems surrounding food choices. Plus, All it's right. just kind of fun to say. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, now I'm looking down at the comments because I'm thinking that there's going to be uh, a lot of stuff. Um, there's something. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of discussion about, you know, is this diet good for people or is that diet good for people or what about my diet? And I think what we're trying to say is this, this whole chapter is about eating high quality food and not saying this exact diet is what your body needs. Because Paul and I both eat very different diets. True. That are rather important to both of us getting up in the morning and having a reasonably productive day. And so I think, yeah, it's it's not about what does every person need. It's about what does each individual person need. And right. I, I kind of wonder if the issues that you and I struggle with would be, I mean, would be resolved if we could get 90% or more of our diet from uh, something that's more VORP-like. <clears throat> I mean, we're still trying to build our soils here at Wheaton Labs. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we've got massive hugelkultur beds, and the soils are, are coming along quite nicely. Um, and we're trying to minimize any external inputs. If we bring in anything onto the property, like, I kind of feel like I know what questions to ask before bringing it in. And so, I, I mean, so many times I've, I've met other people who brought in basically some of the same things we brought in, but they've brought a nightmare onto their property, a, a right. big mess. And we talk about that more in the, uh, <clears throat> the gardening chapter, especially when we start talking about um, how you can uh, garden without, and you don't have to be naked anymore. That part, you know, like, like nudity is optional. It's not required. <laughs> yes, we do have a chapter that goes into that. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people do bring in toxins, like that'll just, they're just garden destroying. And um, it's kind of like, all right, but so I don't want to just, I, I always feel weird telling people exactly what I'm doing because it's like, oh, there's so much more to say about what we're doing here. And if you just try to, to read the highlights and go do it yourself, you're going to make a disaster. And and so uh, at the same time, um, I mean, like when we get to that chapter, isn't it called something like how to grow 20 times more food with one-tenth the effort or something like that? Or no, twice as much food. Double, double food with one-tenth of the effort. Yeah. Right. Double food with one-tenth the effort. And we actually do the numbers. We, we we break down how much time it takes for the conventional garden versus the garden that we propose. And then we also talk about the amount of food that comes off of both gardens. Yeah, that was fascinating. We started by uh, – we'll get into this more when we actually you know, do a podcast on that chapter. But when we were talking about that that chapter at first with the idea of double the food with one-tenth of the effort. I was like, oh, that's a cool claim. Yeah, you know, maybe it's around there somewhere. And then we started doing some math, and we're like, 
oh, actually, that was that was a really, really close claim. Yeah, I think we even ended up with, uh, we could probably even go farther. We could probably say, you know, that you're going to grow uh, triple the food with even less than a tenth of the effort. Right. And and there was a nice healthy dose of it depends spread all over that. But Sure, sure. I'm seeing a lot of comments about how people love the word VORP and uh, love this and um, uh, lots of comments about how awesome we are and stuff. So, yay, this is working out good. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to now move on to the next section. Yeah. When a vegan diet has a lower carbon footprint and when it doesn't. Okay, we kind of we already recorded a podcast that kind of covers this next section. So yeah, that's right. Here, here we're going to uh, uh, read a, a quick summary, I suppose, of that of that podcast. In 2014, the movie Cowspiracy came out, saying that the number one thing you can do for the environment is become a vegan. The biggest claim made in the movie was that animal agriculture causes at least 51 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. Danny Shivers, climate change researcher and vegan, had this to say. There's only one problem with this eye-grabbing stat. It's a load of manure. Emissions from livestock agriculture, including the methane from animals' digestive systems, deforestation, land use change, and energy use, make up around 15% of global emissions, not 51%. I've been vegan for 14 years and have been asked to justify my dietary weirdness at more at more friend and family meals than I can count. So believe me, I've looked into it. If meat and dairy really were the biggest cause of global climate change, I'd be trumpeting that statistic myself every chance I got. So that's that's his quote. That's the end of that part. Uh, still, 15% is a big deal. That could mean that by switching from the standard American diet, which is funny, it's the acronym for it is SAD, S-A-D, Standard American Diet. So uh, from the SAD diet to a vegan diet, a person could reduce their carbon footprint by roughly 4.5 tons. Now, at this point in time, it's, it's going to be good to point out that the uh, average adult American carbon footprint is 30 tons. And, yeah. and we cover that like really early in the book. So 4.5 out of 30 is pretty significant. And, and you know, we want, and, and the book presents ways to not only, cause I don't, I think that it's like if we can get our average footprint down to like 20 tons per person, we're going to be all okay. Everything is going to be fine. But in our book, we talk about not only how to get your carbon footprint down to zero while continuing to enjoy everything you want to enjoy, but we also explore paths to be able to offset the carbon footprint of a dozen other people too. Yeah. So, um, uh, all right, do to do 4.5 tons, but that 15% comes from focusing on conventional ag, since that is how most meat is currently raised, and does not fully consider the possibilities of other techniques. To summarize a massive discussion, but note. Seriously massive. I spent hours <laughs> of my life on this. 
<laughs> here are some rough estimates. Okay, so here is a lovely brief table. On the left side of the table are dietary choices. On the right side of the table is the carbon footprint in tons. So uh, the SAD diet purchased 10.5 tons. So roughly one-third of your carbon footprint. And that's the biggest footprint is the purchased SAD diet. Vegan purchased the carbon footprint is six tons. So you've carved off four and a half tons. The sad diet with pastured animals purchased 4.5 tons. Okay, just to be clear, that's less than a vegan diet. Yeah. So if, if a person does the standard American diet, but all of the animal stuff is with purely, truly pastured animals. And properly pasture-raised. Yes. That's why I use the word truly, but property works too. Then um, you'll have a smaller carbon footprint than a vegan. And then we've got VORP. So the VORP omnivore diet, but you're still purchasing all over the food. So that means that, that you have to be able to purchase a VORP food, which currently is not available for sale. But let's say that you did, like you purchased it. So it still needs to be trucked to you. Now your carbon footprint is two tons. Now we look at a vegan garden. So if a vegan grows 90% of their own food or more, their carbon footprint is 0.5 tons. So now, at this moment, they are the winner of this race. So we got to say that all of the options that we're listing here are in order of the smallest carbon footprint. And then we get to the last item on the list. So this, so the, so the vegan garden was 0.5 tons. Now that's not even, that's not even a VORP garden. That's any vegan garden. Any vegan garden. 0.5, that's really low. So a vegan diet with a garden, any kind of garden, is extremely low carbon footprint. Now you're really making some difference. But the VORP omnivore forest garden, negative one tons. Yay. Right. <laughs> now, I suppose it's possible that a person could do a VORP garden, a VORP forest garden, and be a vegan, but they would still have to have animals in the system and, and also have the negative one. But we're going to get yeah. more into that animals in the system thing later. Rather than saying that everyone needs to be a vegan for the sake of the environment, I think that by advocating for VORP food, we can have a much larger impact. Then each person can decide whether or not to eat animal products, depending on what works best for them. So with the, the VORP forest garden, vegan or omnivore, their carbon footprint is identical. Okay, uh, before we go on to the next section, uh, should we address any of the, the comments? Um, <clears throat> I see Woot. <laughs> yeah, I think that was uh, that was when the... 
the Vorp Omni Forest Garden came in at minus one. All right, I, I take it. Well, I've been reading this that 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 you've been not uh, gluing your eyeballs to the the parade of of, uh, of responses. I'm uh, I'm trying to keep my attention split between both here. So okay, all right. So there's not like a particular comment that you thought, oh, we should mention that. Uh, not as of yet. I think okay. there's some great discussion happening there, kind of at the same time. But it's some of the discussion is in. Uh, off-topic conversation at this point. Oh, it is. Oh, good, okay. good, good off-topic conversation by the looks of it. But okay, the next section is called GAT. G A T. Government mandated acceptable levels of toxicity. I think that in general, the best source for healthy, low footprint food is going to be food that you're growing yourself and harvesting as fresh as possible. That said. Not everyone has their own established permaculture polyculture system. While I'd like to encourage folks to garden, and we'll show you how to do it uh, cheap and easy in Chapter 17, I also know that there are folks who simply won't garden or won't produce all of their own food, even if they try. And they still need to eat, and they'll probably still get their food from the grocery store. So, well, I should say, or and or a restaurant. Uh, so, how can people know what food at the store is going to be the best? At the store, the labels only say if food is organic or not. This is the one and only point in the whole book where we will offer a political solution. So, if that makes you really uncomfortable, you can just skip right on over to the next chapter, and we'll be done with the political stuff, Pinky Promise. Seriously, like, we keep the political stuff out of this book so hard. There's a few <laughs> times we had we had a small rant we wanted to make, and then we had to call each other out and say, no, that is political and needs to be removed from the book. So yeah. this is the one spot we agreed to keep something that falls into the political space. <sighs> yeah, so... um there might be a hint or two in other parts of the book, but it's just a quick okay. hint. A couple of hints, but. Right. But this is the only time we really dig right in. And, yeah. and so I was once interviewed for a radio show and, uh, and told that I, oh, I was once interviewed for a radio show and told that I get to have one new law. So what is the one new law? My answer was that my new law would implement a more detailed food labeling system. I would start by inverting the labels, suggesting normal and organic. Organic food would be labeled as normal. And the food no longer called normal would be labeled as government decided it has acceptable levels of toxicity, GAT. And rather than a black and white system like we have now, Boolean, organic or not, this new system would be a real number system. I want to just ask the people in the um, the chat thing down here, um, when I say the word Boolean, is there anybody who doesn't know what Boolean is? I mean, both Sean and I are software engineers, so 
Boolean George is, Bool. Yeah, good old George. Bring it in, George. Boolean math. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like everybody in high school is required to um, uh, take enough computer stuff that they probably they had to have covered Boolean logic at some point. So Boolean is yes or no. Oh, here we um, have a I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, crap. Um, well, we do say Boolean, colon, organic, or not. So I don't know. That might be enough. But um, all right. This new system would be a real number system. Does anybody, does anybody in the chat, do you not know what I mean when I say a real number? Um, like, and, and so to me, it's, it's like, well, yeah, it's a real number, not an integer, not a Boolean. It's, it's a real number. Right. But I don't know. On the other hand, I, I thrived in the world of algebra. <laughs> yeah, that was a strong point for us. Yeah, some people are being, some people barely may have barely tolerated, uh, you know, the concept of the real number. Um, and yeah, so uh, a real number is going to be a number that can have a decimal point, you know, like four point two. Um, oh, I've got real numbers down pat. <laughs> it says, um, and then here's somebody saying boolean, one or the other, one or zero, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so um, uh, all right. So a real number system. So I want something that's got real numbers. GAT food. So government government acceptable levels of toxicity. GAT food would be expressed numerically from one point zero to nine point nine. One point zero would be barely allowed to be sold as food for human consumption. And at 9.9 would be a tiny bit of toxicity. The new normal, formerly known as organic, would be expressed numerically as 10.0 to 19.9. We could have values like 9.2 for something, transitioning to normal, and 16.9 for excellent uh, VO products. VORP would start at 20.0, and maybe eventually we might have numbers as high as 50. Oh, and for anything below 10.0, the label would have to explain why. So basically, what toxicity is in this food? And uh, something that won't come across in the text is we have a nice little chart here in the in the book that that shows this different scale and one of the things that's not in the text but is on the chart um is that so we mentioned the barely allowed to be sold for human consumption starts at one and goes to just under 10 but uh, zero to one is labeled as unsuitable for human consumption but we can force animals to eat it because they're not going to die maybe Um, and yeah I guess a reminder of a lot of the food that gets fed to animals is the stuff that's grown for humans and then isn't of high enough quality for humans to quote unquote eat and so it gets given to the animals and so you know we want we want better than that there's um 
I, I got to give a shout out to Tracy Wandling who did our graphics. Um, yeah. I think we've got, boy, we've got some great illustrations throughout the book. And I think that this graph is, is like, it really sends the point home. Um, I don't know if there's a way to even share the graph in our video thing, um, that we're doing right now. Cause this is, this is a YouTube thing. We're on YouTube's Google Hangouts or whatever recording this. But, um, I don't, I don't, there's so much I don't understand about how it works. Like we were, it took us a half an hour to get this show started. It was just a, so I, it, yeah, it wasn't intuitive to me. There's a screen share button, but I'm a little worried about breaking everything if I press it. It did seem like this whole thing was rather fragile. <laughs> yeah. Um, you Google. All right. Um, I think that with such a system, consumers would be able to make a much more well, – I think that with such a system, consumers would be able to make much more educated educated choices and, in addition – it would provide a solid incentive for producers to grow their food in a way that is healthier. Still, the best way to know the true story of your food is growing it yourself. I, I would like to go into an hour-long rant right here about <laughs> why people garden or why people go to homesteading, and yet it's like they get to where they're going and they still can't do anything that's even organic. Not, and it's like they, they'll have total control over their garden, but then it's like the, the land that they're on has already been poisoned or their next door neighbors have so much poison and there's overspray and whatnot. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, I've got an hour to say here, but I think I may have shared that in a podcast in the past. <laughs> Bonus political point. If you took away the CAMAG subsidy, and the organic ag penalty, the average consumer would pay four times more for Camac food. And then there's a footnote for that, which goes to the thread, because I said that in a podcast, I think like six or seven years ago, somebody made it into a meme and put it up, and it became, it just swept Facebook, apparently, and um, all the haters poured out and said, yeah, prove it. And, and so in like, 10 seconds with Google, I came up with five different sources to support what I'm saying. It's like it took no, it's like, you know, they're saying, prove it. And I, my, I feel like my response is, I'm not your fucking Google mommy. Uh, I, I think you used those words even. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's not hard to look it up. It's, and it's like, you know what? I think that the numbers could even be more extreme if we really started to break it down more. So I think four times more is pretty safe. But that's a, that's a big topic in itself and it's very political and we're trying and while we're, we're allowing ourselves some politicalness, uh, in, in this particular point of the chapter, um, you know, we're, we're, I still, you know, prefer to, 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 to get around that. But I said that when the first time I said that many years ago, I remember we were recording uh, a podcast that was reviewing the movie Farmageddon. And, um, uh, so I'm, Sean, I'm, I'm sure that you listen to that podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I felt like the movie's powerful. The podcast was powerful. 
and um oh man what a stomach ache and and i think a lot of the choices that we make here at wheaton labs are choices that we have made based upon having watched that movie hmm so um all right uh, the, and now here is the last sentence for this chapter back to our regularly scheduled non-political programming that's it that's the whole chapter we did it we got through it we made it yeah should we uh should we read some more of these uh uh uh, comments. There's so much stuff. Yeah, let's uh, let's read some comments. Uh, if people have questions, now would be a good time to type them in, and, and maybe we can spend a few minutes answering them. Somebody posted a link to Tracy's drawings. Yes. <clears throat> um, okay. Uh, here's somebody who says there is zero need to harm and devour your fellow sentient beings. Um. I, I don't know. I think if somebody's going to get violently ill or deathly ill, then I think that would be a reason. And there, I mean, there are people where for some reason they, they've tried to go vegan and they just became super sick. And so I, I don't know. I don't feel like I really want to wish that on people. Yeah. Actually, like there was a time where, um, somebody I know who is dealing with some health issues, tried to go vegetarian, which I know isn't vegan, but, you know, as a step in that direction. And they got rather violently ill because of it. And I know other people who, when they eat meat, they feel unwell. And so, yeah, it's kind of what I was saying earlier about, like, let's not say this should be for everyone, but rather explore what makes me feel good. Maybe that will be helpful for others in their path. Maybe not. I think a, I think an important difference between a vegan and a militant vegan is a is a vegan is is a noble person who has made their own personal choices, and a militant vegan is saying all the rest of you have to obey or else. And so, rather than presenting their case in a, a calm, dignified manner. Logically, they're um, very hostile, and they're saying you have to do as I tell you. You're yeah. not allowed to think for yourself. And and as my my technique for persuasion is hostility, and this hostility kind of makes it seem like, wow, you're behaving in a manner that doesn't seem like the kind of way I wish to behave. It makes me worried that your food choices could be causing this kind of hostility and so I, I really don't want to I guess I don't want to poison myself with whatever poison you're on um, and anyway I, I, I feel like we do a really good job in the book of uh, supporting vegan and omni I mean we just read this one chapter there's another chapter where we explore yeah. again in fact I would like to hear are there any vegans on here that feel like we did a really uh, horrible job. Um, oh, apparently somebody suggested that meat is heroin. <laughs> I wasn't aware. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've i gone down the vegan road many times, um, and I thrive on vegan. I do great. Uh, you do quite um, well, yeah. And I'm, I'm happy. But I, I've never, I never gone down the vegan road and felt like, um, like, oh, i got to have a hit of, of, meat 
Like yeah. I've got this monkey on my back. Um, so, oh, here comes a whole bunch of stuff. Um, well, and like I, uh, I grew up with, with a culture where, where meat was a very high focus. I guess America in general. I'm not from America though. Um, but, but my family, like meat and barbecues, all that was like a very, very significant part of our diet and, and you could maybe even say culture, I guess, growing up. Uh, but it's like, there was a time when I was like, nope, I, I was scared. I was frustrated with all this stuff that I had heard about the, the CAFOs and all that stuff. And I was like, screw it. I'm done. And, uh, that didn't go very well for me. And yeah, now I eat pasture raised animals. Love the people who do it for me. They're pretty awesome. I kind of feel like, um, if I have like three or four days in a row where I do all vegan, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a, a lovelier person. Um, just because I, I know that it's like, um, I, I like the idea of trying. Now granted, I, it's a little bit like electric cars. It's like right now, if you switch to an electric car, you do reduce your carbon footprint a bit, but you don't, you know, don't, you don't eliminate it. I mean, you're now you've adopted the carbon footprint that comes from the grid. So usually, on average, your carbon footprint is cut in half when you switch to electric car. Right. Um, but there's room for optimization. There's there's room for things to be better. Right. Um, well, and and one of the comments I remember getting when we shared this chapter. Oh no no! When we did our uh, our podcast review of Cowspiracy, I think it was. Nope. I, I shared. I shared a thread on a thread at Permies. I spoke about VORP and, uh, I was, I was sharing some of these ideas and I remember somebody said, well, why is it a VORP omnivore forest garden? Why can't you have a VORP vegan forest garden? And, and I think my response was something along the lines of, sure, you can do that. Then you have to go and do all of the work for one, which is like going to drastically reduce the amount of space that you can manage at a time. And two, uh, the person who I was talking to said, Oh, like, can't I have like the deer come through and do it rather than having cows? And it's like, yeah, sure. But that's an animal in your system. I'm, I'm looking at the VORP definition and it says super localized plant and animal varieties. But I'm not seeing anything in the definition that says you have to do animals. Oh, it does say pampered animals. But I mean, like, um, to answer that person's question, I mean, that's that later chapter. Yeah. Why vegans would benefit from having animals in their gardens. So, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, does VORP include animals in the system? Yeah, it does. Um, uh, I mean, I would, you, you're going to benefit if you pulse animals through the system rather than just, you know, allow animals to have full access whenever they want, in which case usually they'll obliterate your garden. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to read some of the comments here. Oh, somebody's posted a message and then they deleted it, I guess. Oh, I think somebody posted a link to the, uh, the thread that you're talking about. Um, so, all right. 
Have you spotted anything that we should cover from the, the comments that are here? I mean, I think that there's a lot of good comments. I think that the person that posted the, uh, the militant vegan stuff, um, is getting, uh, a lot of, uh, feedback of people, uh, trying to help, uh, help re-explain what we just shared, I guess. Um, so, all right. I, you know, in fact, uh, there's, there's somebody who's saying I am an environmentalist and then we, we cover that in another chapter. I'm not sure if, if that's in the queue for up and coming chapters, but I know I'm I've covered it in the podcast before. All right. Anything else? Should we wrap this puppy up? Yeah. Uh, I think let's, uh, let's wrap this puppy up. All right. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com and support our Kickstarter, where we talk about VORP, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts. 